there's anybody grateful for his love, just celebrate it right now. good right there. Come on, anybody know the blood? That blood that's never lost its power. Come on, has that blood saved and delivered and healed anyone in this room? Well, just lift that other hand up right now and let's just thank God for his love and thank him for the precious blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your amazing love that was demonstrated through your shed blood, Father. And that blood has reached deep into our lives and saved and healed, delivered and set us free and made us whole. And so we appreciate that, that blood and your love and we're so grateful for that today. That love has rescued us, Father. It's lifted us higher, Father. Oh, it has brought great victory in each and every one of our lives. We celebrate our freedom. We celebrate our love today. We give you the glory, Father, for sending your Son to demonstrate what love looks like for us, Father, so that we can demonstrate that same love to the people in our lives. And so, Father, as we've taken time today to just lift you higher, we understand how this works, Father, that when we lift you higher, it brings us up higher. When we draw nigh to you, Father, you draw nigh to us, Father. And the result is that it's less flesh. It's less of us and more of you, Father. So have full expression in this service today. Minister to the hearts and lives of your people by the Holy Spirit and through your word. And let not one person walk out of here the same way that they came in. And Father, we'll be so mindful to give you all the glory for all the good that will come out of this service today. In Jesus' name. And everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Come on, one more time. Everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. 
Now, this is the 4th of July week, and people will like firecrackers and all kind of stuff all week long. But I don't think any of them have more to celebrate than we do. And so if God, if God has been good, if God has been good to anyone in this building, would you just go ahead and give him your best shout right now? Hallelujah. Let, let me try that one more time because that was okay. On a scale of one to 10, what would you all give that? Seven. Seven. But God is a 10. Right? He's amazing, right? Has God been good to anyone in this room? Has he been better? Has he been better than good to anyone in this room? Well, come on, give your amazing God your best praise right now. Come on, give him your best praise. Glory to God. Now, can we show our appreciation and our love for one of the greatest music departments in the United States of America? Come on, give them a big round of applause. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Band, choir, praise team, director, uh, they're just all working hard, doing a great job. Find two or three people today and love on them. Speak life into them. Compliment them. Tell them something good. Compliment their outfit, their shoes, hairstyle. Find something good. So easy to look for what's wrong. Takes character to look for something good. Praise God. His love has lifted me higher. Anyone in here just, have you ever been rescued by the love of God? And what I mean by that is you looked at your situation and you didn't know how you would get out of it. And then love came right in there and got you right out of it. And you look back and you can look back and literally say, only God could have got me out of a situation like that. And that's just simply because he loves you that much. Wonderful worship song, Love Lifted Me Higher. All right, let's pick up where we left off. We've got some business to take care of on today. Uh, we're ministering on the subject of the blueprint. And really, for the month of June, we wanted to minister to men. This was supposed to be a one-day message, but of course, now it is extended into the third week and then the fourth week because you all were pulling on me so much, which is a good thing, right? And so, we know by definition, a blueprint is a design plan or other technical drawing. It's really a model to follow. And so, when the uh, architects come up with that blueprint, it's the construction's company responsibility once it's been certified and stamped to follow that blueprint. And then when the inspector comes out to inspect the building to give you an occupancy permit, he has the blueprint in his hand. And he goes through that building to make sure that that building looks exactly like the blueprint so that you can get your permit to begin using it. Now, how many know God didn't leave us without a blueprint? Right? And as long as we'll follow that model, our lives will end up the way he the architect designed for them to be. And when it's not happening that way, always know that it is not God, right? It's not him. And it's not, really, can I say this to you? It's not Satan either. He's a defeated foe. Somewhere in here, we chose to get off of the blueprint. 
and we started following a different model that might have been influenced by Satan, but I mean, no, he really has no authority if you're a born-again believer. All right, and so this blueprint is simple. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 13, and 14. Amplified version will go up on the screen. And notice here, Paul, at the end of his letter uh, to the church at Corinth, his first letter to them, he's talking to the men, and he tells them to be on guard, to stand firm in your faith. In other words, don't let anyone get you off of what you believe. He said, respecting God's precepts and keeping his doctrine or your doctrine sound. Then here's the phrase, act like mature men and be courageous, be strong. Let everything you do be done in love, motivated and inspired by God's love. We know other translations, uh, the King James Version says to quit you like men. The ESV says act like men. And then the NRSV says to be courageous and the NIV means be men of courage. So to act like a man requires bravery and it requires courage. Right? And so a lot of times we as young men growing up, we are always told to be a man, act like a man, but really no one told us what that was, and definitely in a lot of cases no one showed us what that looked like. And so if that's your story and you don't have a model, a, a physical model to follow in your life, I mean, you know, God didn't leave you helpless. He left you the Word of God to follow, and that's what we're walking through uh, right now. We know that the Greek word, Thayer's Bible, defined that Greek word, Adrazomai this way, to make a man of or to make brave. So in other words, people, a young man won't come a, become a man by accident. It has to be on purpose, right? He, he's born male, but he has to be made man. He has to be made brave. That's not going to happen by accident. That's going to happen on purpose because someone in his life is shaping and molding him that way and they're requiring it of him until he gets to a place where he requires it of himself. And then the other definition there, to show oneself a man, to be brave. So in other words, you can see this. You don't have to really, they don't talk about it. You can see this particular individual. They show themselves this way in their single life, in their marriage as parents. is demonstrated and lived out. That's a man right there. And they're very easy to spot. And I believe that we've got a lot of them in this building. I believe we've got a lot of strong men right here in this building. All right, let's keep going. So really for this study, we're focusing on knowing what a model man looks like. And we're covering five areas. It's not exhaustive, but it's a biblical blueprint to follow. The first one was an example of singleness. Now, I'm saying this every week because you can't hear this enough, right? Paul talking to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12, he encouraged him to don't disesteem, don't despise your youth, but use your youth to be an example to other believers in word, in conduct, that's your behavior and character, love, spirit, faith, and in purity. We should be teaching our young men and our young ladies that having sex as a teenager is not smart. I wouldn't care what everyone else is doing. It is one of the dumbest things in the world that you can do because you're sending your body all out of alignment. Spiritually, you're getting all out of whack, and you're losing trust in everything that means something to you, which most importantly is yourself because you're sinning against your own body. We got to teach our young people purity. I need a little better amen than that. 
and to use your elementary, middle school, high school, and college years to prepare for life, not waste it with boyfriends and girlfriends, which boyfriend and girlfriend is unscriptural. It's no such thing. And once you start as a teenager putting titles on stuff, hello, somebody, now you feel like you owe somebody something. It's my boyfriend, so I got to give him some. But then he learns the game. All I got to do is tell her I love her. And she'll give me some. Right? Then he'll create a situation that doesn't exist. I need some time, some space, because he's working on something else. See, and then the game just continues. And by the time you're 21, going through all of that in the eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, come on, somebody, you don't trust nobody. And you say all men are a certain way. No, it's just the ones you've been dealing with. Can I get a real good amen in this place today? All right, and so let's not worry about all men. Let's worry about ourselves. Right? And we take care of us, then how many know God has a way of putting two people together? Assets attract. But never forget this liabilities do too. Boy, we starting off hot already today, right? right? So Paul encouraged Timothy. He encouraged Titus also. He told Titus in Titus 2, 6 through 8, Likewise, exhort the men to be sober-minded. Teach them to have good judgment. In all things, show yourself a pattern. He said, Titus, you be the blueprint of what good works look like, what doctrine looks like, what integrity looks like, what reverence and incorruptibility looks like. He said, Titus, you be the blueprint for sound speech that cannot be condemned, that anyone who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say about you. If you learn the art of living for an audience of one, where at the end of the day, the only person you want to please is God, then what everybody else says will not matter. We make so many decisions based off of how we believe other people view us, right? And the older I get, the more I realize, listen, they're going to talk about you anyway. So you got to learn how to stay focused. Whether you're winning, losing, doing good, doing bad, negative people will always have negative things to say. You got to learn how to please one. And if you're pleasing one, then let the rest of it be whatever it is. Can I get a real good amen right there? All right, put that Jeremiah 29 up because then I'm going to jump because this is the foundation for everything else. Jeremiah 29, he must win at being single. I'm going to use this as the foundation for everything we talk about uh, for the next two weeks. Jeremiah 29, 4, this is prophetic. This is prophecy. This is speaking forth the mind and counsel of God. And remember, God does not change. He told the children of Israel, if you continue to obey me and you chase after other gods, then I will cause you to be carried away captive by your enemy and you will be in captivity for 70 years. Remember that because a good father, as we're going to talk about today, must do what he says he's going to do. Right? So if it's a reward, then it must be the reward that you said. But if it's a consequence, don't take the consequence away from the child. Just teach the child within the consequence how to get it all back. 
You'll see that today very clearly, right? So God can't go back. He doesn't change, right? So notice what he says here. He says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that I have carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Next verse. He's talking to the men here, right? Because men are the foundation of the family. They are the cornerstone. It says, build you houses and dwell in them. And then plant gardens. So the first thing a man has to do is get out of his mother and father's house. He is not a full-grown man if he's still dependent on his parents. I don't care how old he is. That house has to be livable. And ladies, you don't want to take him from his mother's house to your house. He's used to being taken care of. Why did he get quiet in here this morning? Build houses. The house should be livable. In an agricultural society, plant a garden. That's a career, occupation, or a job that can sustain the house and make it livable. Then he needs a season to just eat the fruit of that. A season of demonstrating to himself, not to a woman, that he can take care of himself. Because if you're smart, young ladies, he's going to take care of you the same way he takes care of himself. Whatever that looks like. Right? So he's got to have a season of eating the fruit of that, which means he can pay the bills. The house is livable. And this is another key component. Can he save money? He should at least have three months of living expenses put up somewhere. Because life happens. Put that back up. Look at what he said here. Build houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, eat the fruit up. Now, Every man needs that season because it's in that season that he's figured himself out. I want you to understand, now, if you marry a man that has not figured himself out, he can't figure us out. Hello? Then if we have kids, you're talking about a man that couldn't figure himself out, he can't figure us out, now how's he going to figure them out? Because his job is to bring himself to maturity, bring his marriage to maturity, then raise his children to maturity. Let's keep traveling. This is important for where I'm going today, right? So God told them if they did certain things, these are the consequences. That's a good father, right? But within the consequences, there must be a pathway to still be successful. But you do not remove the consequences. Next verse. Then what does he do? Take a wife. Right? See that comma? Then he's supposed to take that wife, put her in that house. Hello, somebody. That's livable. He has a career, occupation, or a job that can sustain them, and now they eat the fruit of that for a season. See? So he proves it to himself, brings his marriage to maturity, and then they do what? Begat sons and daughters. It's order, folks. All right, I'm say something very strongly here. Then you give your daughters and husbands that they may bear sons and daughters. Watch this. Now you can be increased there. Where is there? In captivity. Right? And what? Not diminished. Now, here's our wake-up call, folks. Are we increasing or are we diminishing? See, a lot of times what we're saying is, God, bless what I'm doing. I want to have sex, sleep with whoever I want to. Hello, somebody. Be saved. Go to heaven. 
and then say, God, bless it. And pray, help me, Lord. I need a job. Bless me. And see, what you don't understand is, folks, just do what he's blessing. Don't ask him to bless what you're doing. Just do what he's blessing. Right? Everybody good? God is good? Somebody say, I love. How many of y'all were not here on last week? That's why. Okay, I'm like, why is this coming out of me like this? That's a lot of people, right? Watch this now. So as a single person, he's got to win at being single, right? So, so ladies and, and gentlemen, please pay attention. Guys, the appropriate time to pursue marriage is when that has happened. When you've left your mother and father's home, you've proven that you can successfully take care of yourself. Hello, somebody. Now you want to pursue someone that you can bring into that environment. Okay? So nobody's saying amen because that's the appropriate time. Dating is for the purpose of marriage. Ladies, you want to wait till he gets his life together and be friends until then. But he's the one, but let him develop. Now watch this. And if he truly loves you, he requires that of himself. And you can tell, now you might want to write this down, you can tell the depth of his love for you by the richness of his preparation. Because he's going to pull back because he knows the type of way he wants to love you. You don't want the one thinking with the wrong members. The little member should not run the big member. Some of y'all will catch that. What was he talking about when he said members? He talking about members of the church? No, I'm talking about members of your body. Can I make that any plainer? The little member should not run the big member. Until you give me a better amen, I said the little member should not run the big member. You tell his love for you tell how deep that is by his preparation. All right, so now, then he tells that man as a husband to love your wife. We're going to go through this real quick. Same way Christ loves the church, right? He is the head of that union, right? Head means master, ruler, chief, right? He's got to love her the way he loves the church, and they got to love her as he loves himself. And then he says to nurture her, which means to bring that marriage to a place of maturity. Every marriage should get to a place where it no longer fights. But it works together in a cohesive partnership directed towards one common goal, which is the vision that God gives the head. She comes alongside and helps the family get there without trying to kill each other. So now, I want to go real slow because before we get to the children today, you're going to understand why he's so angry. He could not do that for himself. You got to understand, when you get married, she automatically has an expectation of you. She believes she married a hero. And this man's going to pray for me, protect me, provide for me, comfort me. We're going to pray together. He's going to lead us to the promised land. 
All right, all right. We left off in First Peter. Go there very quickly. Said a lot of things there, right? Y'all love her as your own body, right? Letter C was love her as your own body. Letter D was seek to understand her. Now, I want you to think about that. To love her as my own body, ladies, you got to pay attention. I mean, you got to pay attention to how well did he love himself. No, let's not ignore that. I know he's cute, muscles everywhere. <laughs> but when that wears off... Listen, nothing sexy about being hungry. <laughs> nothing sexy about being in a hot house with no air conditioning. In the South, in Georgia, in July. And he tapping you, talking about he wants some. Let me tell you how she's thinking. Get some air on in this house. And then come talk to him. It's just a female. Now, of course, he's going to get all upset about that, right? But you got to understand, if she's not in a secure environment, she will not respond the way you desire for her to. So don't ignore how he cares about himself. He's not going to do more for you than he's willing to do for himself. You shouldn't have to take him to go get a job. See, if you got to be the one pushing that, that's not the right situation for you. <laughs> Seek to understand her and give her honor. How many of y'all were not here again on last week? Raise your hand. I'm like, why is this? Look at that. Seek to understand her and give her honor. Let me go by this real fast because really all of this is review. Let me get where I'm going. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. See, that's a life made easy so that your prayers may not be hindered. The word hindered there means cut off. Now, he's telling you to dwell with them, live with them according to understanding. Right? The best way I can tell you this is he's asking you to do something that cannot be done. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Females don't understand men. Men don't understand females. The only way we can get close to that is just by trusting that what the other one is telling us, that's the way it actually is. I hope you just heard what I just said. Because I am not a female, so I can never understand where she's coming from. So the only way I can try to work towards this is to believe that what she's telling me is exactly the way it is. So when she says it bothers me when I clean up and you don't clean up after yourself and you don't clean these dishes up, right? Now I am wrong because I'm not trying to live with her according to understanding if I'm going to tell her, you, that's you, that's on you. I wasn't raised like that. <laughs> right? And listen, if I'm going to live with her according to understanding, everything that she says to me, I have to believe has our best interests at hand. then I have to work to that end if I'm going to honor her the way she deserves to be honored. All right? So the big key to that is listening to her. All right? 
It's just little stuff. I'll give you an example this morning. I'm getting dressed, coming to church. She said, you feel like grilling today? Translation, she wants me to grill today. <laughs> it ain't that deep. Not that deep. She just don't want to be over the top and tell me, grill, you're going to grill today. So she does it in a polite, respectful way. Do you feel like grilling today? Yes. Oh, it'll be 98 degrees outside, 120 standing over that grill. But if my baby wants some meat today, put the meat on the grill and let's make it happen. And we can go on and on and on and on. Come on, Mary, folks. Don't leave me out here, right? She called on the phone. She's not trying to ruin my day by telling me to stop by Kroger's on the way home because she forgot something. See, most times we're going to say, now, you've been home all the How long you been home? See, but you're not understand. She's preparing. She can't leave the situation. A whole lot of stuff going on. And right now, listen to me, man. She don't need you to think. She just needs you to do. How many of y'all glad you came to church today? Come on, am I right or wrong? I said, am I right or wrong? Nine times out of ten, she does not want you thinking at all. Why? Not because she doesn't respect your intellectual properties. She's already thought about it. And so what she's doing is giving you directions so what she's thought about can get done. Watch this. Without all that extra. That's living with her according to understanding. Now, this is where a lot of men make mistakes. You have to understand the one you're married to, not somebody else's. I'll say that again. There's no sense in talking about what's happening somewhere else. You've got to understand the one that you live with. And the way she, oh, that's the Holy Ghost. I'm pretty sure I hear my wife over there like, that's the Holy Ghost right there. Right? Man, I lost my place right there. Right? And so you've got to understand, if you're not listening to her, listening is you're disrespecting her. Right? And so you're not physically abusing her, but you're emotionally abusing her when she doesn't feel like she can talk to you and ask you to do something and you get it done without all that extra. Especially if it's concerning those kids. If she calls and say, hey, I need you to do this, you don't know what's been going on all day long. You just need to be there. All right, I'm just go by there. Everybody get that? Everybody's good? You sure? All right, how many married people are in here right now? Oh, that's the majority, all right? So, so let's practice this week, right? We got a holiday week coming up. All right? You got to listen to a direction that she's trying to point you in. She did not want to tell me to grill on Sunday after doing two services. She didn't want to tell me that. So she asked me, do you feel like grilling? 
Now, if you're smart. <laughs> now, can I say the other side of that, babe? Let me tell you the other side of that, though. But had I said to her, babe, I'm not going to feel like doing that at the end of two services. She's not going to make an issue out of that at all. Amen. So I'm not going to have to hear nothing on the back end of that. Because we work enough towards meeting each other's needs all the time that she would trust that if I said that, he really doesn't feel like doing that today. Did you catch that? And on either side of that, are either one of us ever going to make an issue out of that? I'll just keep going. There's a lot I can say about that. Let's get to as a father. Letter A. He must be responsible for what he created. I just said a mouthful right there. He must be responsible for what he created. You don't know her mother. I don't need to. You need to be responsible for what you created. Right, let's travel a little bit today because you're going to understand all the ills in our society today is because we're a fatherless generation. When these kids don't get checked and corrected, then they fear nothing. So they running in grocery stores. Come on, somebody. They, they sliding up. You're just trying to pump your gas. They so brass today because nobody checked them when they were small. Watch this. This is a literal command and a charge to fathers. He says, and you fathers, that is a command addressed particularly to fathers because they are the head of the family and its government, listen to this, is especially committed to their trust. So he says, and you fathers, right away, provoke not your children to wrath. That word provoke, inside the word provoke is the word poke. In other words, don't agitate your children with your anger, right? You read every commentary you'll read. There are four Greek words here for this entire phrase here uh, in verse 4, provoke not your children around. There are four Greek words, and in summary, they literally mean don't use anger as a method to anger your children. Right? And so sometimes we think, well, the only time I can really discipline them is when I'm angry. You must learn how to command control of your anger and never use it as what motivates you to discipline your child. Never discipline your child out of anger. If you need to, pull yourself back, take a walk, go for a ride, calm yourself down. But don't let anger be the motivator because what you're teaching the child is that is the appropriate way to respond to something. So the child goes to school. The moment the teacher says something the child doesn't want to do, ah, everything. Why is the child so angry? Because the parents are angry. Then you got to go all the way back to understand where does their anger come from. And in most cases with that father, he's frustrated with himself. And it's disappointing that he can't be what he needs to be for his family. All right. So a lady asked me a great question on last week. 
right, and get a chance to put that back up, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that head, that order there, right? If your house is upside down, which just simply means if you stop working, wife, and you all can't survive, that's an upside down house. If you stop working, you all can't survive, that's an upside down house. So a legitimate question came to me, I guess I use percentages, right? And you begin to work it in that direction. Here's the thing. Although he's in it now and there may be children involved, he will never, ever be excused from his responsibility to be the head of his family. And so I cannot tell you what to do. I can't sit here and give you one, two, three steps. The two of you got to get before God and figure out how to write this house and get it right side up. Right? And what do we need to do to shift the, the responsibility where it needs to be? No one can just sit here and walk you. You, you understand what I'm saying? And it should be his motivation and his priority to do that until it gets done. All right. So you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Now, now again, we've been saying this, so I don't have to spend a lot of time here, but bring them up. Now, if you look up those three Greek words there, what he's saying to the father is his job to bring his sons and daughters or son and daughter or sons, whatever the situation is, to bring them up to a place of maturity, right? But you've got to ask yourself, how mature am I? What have I required of myself? And then where can I take them? So you still got to be able to process that the right way. I can't give them what I don't have. So even though I'm a father, I still got to go get it so I can give it to them. Is this making sense to anyone in here? Right? And ladies, you got to be patient if you're in this kind of situation, right? You got to be patient in that, in that role there. He says here, but bring them up. Then he tells you what? In the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, this word nurture and admonition means tutorage. It means instruction. It means discipline, right? And it should all be motivated by love. All kids, male and female, need to be disciplined. It just needs to be motivated by love and not anger, right? And so I want to get somewhere today because it's going to explain all of this a little bit better for me. It says, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That word admonition there is, is really gentle warnings. Kids have to know the consequences of the choices that they make, right? And you don't have to say the Bible says. You can just talk to them. They'll get it later on in life. They'll be in a service and hear the same thing, right? But they've got to know. They've got to hear the gentle warnings that when you make these choices, here are the consequences. And when you make these choices, here are the rewards. And what you want to do is begin to train the child to gravitate towards the rewards and not the consequences. But if they choose wrong, don't take the consequences from them. Just within the consequences, create a pathway to get back to where they need to be, right? Give you an example. We've got two kids. They're both completely different. One, straight, just boom. Other one, challenge everything. <laughs> and praise God for both of them, right? And so I understand that because I was that way. Actually, the one that that's in, I actually want that in them because it's a great quality to have once it's channeled in the right direction. Right? So a couple of weeks ago, we had a little situation. We got discipline. Right? And so he's a conf I mean, the, the confident. The confidence is not lacking. So, 
So he turns around, you know, one of them turns around and says, now, because I'm giving him energy. You know what I'm he, he turn, the, the one turns around and says, now, when I accomplish this, I want you to give me the same energy on the back end. And watch this now. As a father, I didn't say nothing. I just looked at him. I didn't say a word. Watch this. But because he ran his mouth, or the one ran his mouth. <laughs> sorry. sorry. Now, watch this. I already knew that he couldn't deliver in that situation. So as soon as this happens, I go to his wife. I go to my wife because I already know her. I say, listen, but there's nothing you can do here. What I'm getting ready to do, do not get involved in this. Listen, she, she's sitting right there. I said, let me, let me get ahead of you because I don't want to turn. I don't want to Just stay out of this because I must train his mouth to never write a check. His performance can't cash. <laughs> Am I right or wrong? And boy, did it come. <laughs> But watch this. When it's done properly, because I'm getting ready to go somewhere, it'll actually draw the two of you closer. Right? So I actually went to him, and I said, hey, you know I have to give it to you, man. It, it, it's, it's, it's coming. But I want to at least work together. And let's see if we can come up with some solutions together. But you're not getting away. You're going to taste every bit of this. Watch this. Because I love you. So that when you leave here, what you got is a father that's showing mercy to you. But out there in them streets, boy, you write a, you write a check with your mouth like that. It takes a father to teach him that. Right? So I brought him real close. And I said, listen, what would you do to yourself in this situation? And then he laid it out, which was twice as much as what I would have did. So I said, so be it. <laughs> my wife's sitting right there. Then the whole time I watched his attitude. Because if he shows bad attitude, then he's not allowing me to correct him. So now he's not doing it out of love. He's just doing it to get where he's trying to go, but no behavior is changing. Y'all get anything out of this today? All right? So listen to me. You cannot be afraid of your children. Right? Listen to me. You cannot be afraid of your children. They must know very clearly. I don't care how old they are, 13, 14. If you make grown folks' decisions, then you must get grown folks' consequences. Now, if you want to be a child and follow what we're instructing you to do, then we'll take you in the right direction. But you make grown folk decisions, you will get grown folks' consequences. And they know that's serious. That's the one time I'm not doing that. Well, you can't stay here. As long as you stay here, you're going to do it exactly the way we tell you to do it. Watch this, or you're grown. And if you're grown, then you need to go take care of yourself. And watch this. That's at the first moment you talk back. You said what? I didn't quite understand that. Repeat that because that's grown folk stuff. 
See, they already know when I start going there, that's grown folks stuff. They know they're not a child to me in this moment. You grown, and I'm getting ready to treat you like a grown person. Can't be afraid of your kids, right? Now, if you're a single mother in here, you cannot be afraid of your kids. My mother was 5'2". The first time I said to her I wasn't doing nothing, she uppercut me. I'm in the eighth grade. I stood over, put my chin on her head, and I said, I'm not doing nothing put my chin on her head because I'm trying to intimidate her. She went, boom! <laughs> right around. She told my wife this story. She went, boom! Went and grabbed the broom and started swinging it like a baseball bat. <laughs> she said, boy, I brought you into this world and I'll take your butt out of here. Step over here if you want to. Step over here if you want to. That's a good mother. Right. Another time she told me, don't go out that house. Don't go out that door. Your own punishment. I went, I'm gone. I'm going. I'll be at the park. I came back, all doors locked, clothes on the back porch. <laughs> Slept out there all night. She came out in the morning, got in her car, went to work, never opened up the doors. She'll let me in when she come back, came home, put her car in the garage, went in the house, locked all the doors. That went on for five days. I looked through the window and I said, what do I need to do? This is, all she, this is all she said, do what I tell you to do. You can come back in this house when you do what I tell you to do. So now it's clear to me that when I don't do, I'm out. We're too soft on these kids. I said, we're too soft on these kids. Come on, I said we're too soft on these kids. Now go to Hebrews chapter 12. All right. We must provide the proper balance of love and discipline. Let me show you what this looks like very quickly. Hebrews chapter 12. I'll go through this quickly. Hebrews chapter 12. You all get anything out of this today? All right. How many single mothers are in here right now? It's not that deep. Say what you mean and mean what you say. You know you love your child, right? So so there there are times, at one time I had to get in the car, man. Let me show you where people end up who don't listen. Mother got so scared, she called me. You better bring him back home. I said, no, man, come with me. Let me show you where people end up who don't listen. I'll leave your butt here, man, and go home and make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. (laughs) Because I love you. True story. She was panicking. Where are you going? My baby. Stay out of this. Because I understand boys. They are going to try you. So at the first sign of it, you got to get it. He was like, I don't see how that adds up. I said, that's what I'm trying to keep you from. How did that reaction come from that? So I can show you if you keep heading in that direction, that's where it ends up. And it was a beautiful sight, too, because as soon as we pulled up, they coming in like this. (laughs) I said, now, when you get in there, right, 
then if you think you don't want to be told what to do, everybody's going to tell you what to do. And then I told him, when you go to the restroom, go take a shower, don't drop the soap. <laughs> Reality. We ain't had no problems since then. These are these were when he was young. These because boys are gonna be boys. You gotta shift them. Same thing with the girls. You wanna be out there doing all that stuff? Okay, all right. Where'd I tell you to turn? Watch this now. If you read verse three, actually, look at verse three. It says, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged within your souls. You have not resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. Look at verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to son? So notice when God corrects, he corrects with words. Right? And notice those words are called exhortation. So they should be words of comfort and not words of anger. Everybody clear? And so he's always going to use the word to correct us first. Right? When we don't listen to the word, then how many of we create a situation now or circumstance? He told the children of Israel to obey. He laid it all out. But if you don't, right? So did he put them in captivity or did they put themselves in captivity? They put themselves in captivity. And as a parent, that's how you have to see that. I don't want to spank you. You chose to be spanked when you went outside of. I want to buy this for you, but you chose not to have it when you didn't get the grades that were required for. You see the difference? Right? But, but what's the pathway to get back there? Words that comfort, right? Kids got to know that I can still get there. Now, let's keep reading. It says, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. We're talking about instruction tutorage again. So it's always going to have any type of correction from God will always have instruction, right? When you have correction without instruction, you produce rebellion. All correction has to have what? Instruction, okay? It says here, of the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him or corrected by him. How many know it's a great thing to be corrected by God, right? You don't ever want to sit in service and, and you know that he's adjusting you and you blow that off. You don't ever want to be in your personal devotion, spending time studying, and you know that that was directly for you because he's correcting you and you blow that off. Right? Just like a child shouldn't be that way with their parents, right? The parents are trying to help the child. Don't blow that off, right? So notice he says, when you are rebuked by him, for whom the Lord loves, he what? He chastens, he disciplines through instruction, and he scourges every son whom he receives. And so if he receives you as his child, the word scourge means to whip. This is in the New Testament. So at some point, you, you must tighten that backside up. Do that while they're small, right? So you don't have to keep doing that when they get older. I think we stopped at about 12, 13, earlier, 10. I don't think we've spanked any of our kids since they were like 10. Praise God we haven't had to, right? But I think it was all the early stuff that stopped that early. We had a paddle. It had G5G on it. 
And I said, I'm getting ready to glorify God. It's going to hurt me more than it hurts you, but turn around. I want you to see that every son whom God loves, he chases, and he scourges or he whips every son he receives. Now, let's look at his own son. Scripture says that Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. Right? So if you, don't, if, you, if you remove consequences from kids, they don't learn obedience. And so you want that child to, before they make a decision, to think about the results. Right? But if they've never been required to do that, then they don't even think about it. They just do stuff. Verse 7, if you endure chastening, then God will deal with you as a son. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten, right? Lovingly correct and disciplined through instruction. But if you're without chastening, of which all have become partakers, no one escapes this, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we've all had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as it seemed best to them, but he for our profit. And I want to focus there for just a quick moment. Anytime God is correcting you, adjusting you, disciplining you, it's always for your profit. A child must understand it. Any discipline that you are bringing, it is for their profit. And they need to be told what the end result of that is if they will allow you to discipline them in this area. Everybody understand that? Right? And so you get here. I'll use another example. Uh, you know, m my son should be driving right now. He, he doesn't mind. He should be driving. But part of his discipline is learning how to save money. Right? And so he's got to save a certain amount of money before he can get a car. Period. Right? And so he always asks, and I say, son, there are no shortcuts to success. Amen. And then I showed him the money. I said, you see, I did my part. I put this away for you, son. So it's there to get you what you want. You're holding this up. You see that? So he can clearly see it's there, but I will not bypass the correction. Not even for my convenience. There's sometimes I don't feel like taking places. Right? Right? Then there's some places we don't take him. That bike out there works real well. <laughs> and then I have fun with him. How does it feel riding a bike with a driver's license in your pocket? Right? But, of course, turning him over. See, he's so focused now, he's probably going to end up being the best saver in the house. But boys mature a little later, so it took him a little longer to get it, right? But notice, I never removed it. See, if I would have rewarded him early, he'd have blew off learning how to save. You all still with me out there? Getting anything out of this today? And that's both of them. Of course, you want them both to be the same. Daughter breezed through that and, and of course, got her car with a bow on it <laughs> for her birthday, 16th birthday, Right? It's not happening that way, but you never quit with the other one. You just keep working till you get the desired behavior. I'm trying to see. Kids don't understand. Okay, if you have an accident, you're going to have to pay the deductible. 
You think you're just going to drive it? It needs gas. You got to get the oil changed, man. It needs maintenance. So then I'm training him that when you get to this goal financially, you can't touch it. It's not get there, I get my car, then I spend all of it. The moment you spend it, the car comes back. That's your floor now that you must build from. Daughter's doubled that floor. Got to keep working him. He'll get there. One of the greatest things you can teach your children is financial responsibility. Last night, they all had to pay up. They pay bills. As soon as they start working, they pay bills. Did I not go around the house? How do you want to pay me? How do you want to pay me? Verse 11, now no chastening seems to be joyous for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are what? Trained by it. That's our biggest responsibility as parents is to train our children and bring them to a place of maturity. Right? I'm going to pray for all the men in here on next week. Right, and so if you know anyone young and old, because we've got to get this back together. Anybody in here agree with that? We, we must get this back together. Right? I feel so strongly about this that, that if I fail as a father, I believe I failed in life. That's how strongly I feel about this. Right? Listen to this. And I will not pastor this church if I fail at pastoring my children. I'm that serious about it. I'm just not going to do it. What are you going to do? Dedicate myself to my children. Stay with them until they get it right. I might come back later. But if I can't rule my own house, how can I rule this house? You got to accept what comes with being the head, okay? All right, now. Let's close with just C and D. God expected this of Abraham, Genesis 18, 19, right? He expected this of him. Genesis 18, 19, God didn't just choose Abraham. He chose him for this reason because he knew him. He says, for I've known him in order that he may command his what? His what? His what? His what? God said, I know him because he will command his children, watch this, and his household. So that's anything that's under his care, right? We're going to have a family to stand with us on this week. When you come in this house, you're only going to do things one way. You're not going to drink in this house. You're not going to smoke in this house. You're not going to cuss in this house. And if you bring kids in this house and you can't control them, then all of y'all got to go. <laughs> Just that simple, folks. You got to command these things, right? That's why God chose Abraham. It's not that you don't love people. Yeah, you all can come stay, but you got to make it clear with them how we live. Or their kids will be trying to introduce your kids to stuff. 
So I go down there and I had a conversation with all of them. Anytime my kids have kids over, I had a conversation. This is what we do. I don't know what you all do, but it's what we do. If you want to keep coming, when you're in here, line up. Because you're just not going to cuss in this house. Not even by accident. I know y'all get worked up when you're playing video games, but keep your mouth. Need more parents like that. I'm glad we've got a bunch of them at Linked Up Church, though. I said, I'm glad we've got a bunch of them at Linked Up Church. We're going to have a family of eight of them. That's the conversation I just had and we'll have again with the father. You've got to control your kids. You can't control them. That, that stay will be cut short. Right? And then I tell, do we give our kids rules? Right? All the boys sleep upstairs. Stuff happens. Boys don't sleep with other boys. And then I go walk around and make, I check on them. You're a little too close. Scoot over, man. And then I tell my son, these are unwritten rules. No legs touching, no arms touching, no hands touching, no feet touching. Period. If it happened accidentally, slide them over. I always make that clear. From the time he was that small, you know, little boys always want to impress their mothers. He went in the closet and grabbed their shoes and put them on. I came around the corner like an American ninja warrior. <laughs> Boy, take those shoes off your feet. Don't you ever play around in your mother's closet. Boys don't wear girl shoes. True story. Came around that corner like an American ninja soldier. But watch this. It's interesting, when he got a little older, he went over to some friend's house, and they were playing dress up. And the friend wanted him to dress up in his sister's clothes. Right? What, what did my son tell him? Man, my dad ain't having that. I don't even play like that. Because see, what you don't understand, little games like that that make, make, make people laugh, they keep playing them. And it gets in them. And if they think it pleases you, they'll do it more. So he commands his children and his household after him that they will keep the way of the Lord and do righteousness and judgment that the Lord may bring Abraham to what he had spoken to him. So obviously, Abraham couldn't get to the desired goal if he wouldn't command his household and his children. God commanded Israel the same way. Look at Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7. He says, you shall not love or you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your strength. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Every moment is a teaching moment. And use it. Letter E, Joshua modeled this kind of leadership, and we'll close right here. Joshua 24, 14, 15 says, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. 
And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served who were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And you've got to be that way with your children. You've got to let them know this is who we are and this is what we're doing. We will not force this on you. We love you unconditionally. But if you choose to go that way, then you're on your own. We will always love you as your parents, but you, we will not support that. But if you go this way, then you have all of our backing and our support. You got to be clear about that, right? Let them make decisions, but also let them deal with the consequences of the choices that they make. Then look at what Joshua says here. But as for me and my house, we will what? House there is household or family. Joshua is saying anything that is under my care we will serve the Lord. All right, put that nugget up there, and we're done for the day. Fathers who act like model men will provide spiritual leadership, love, and discipline for their children. A real man will always be responsible for what he created, whether he's with the mother or not. I need a better amen than that. Right? He will be responsible for what he created. Did you all get anything out of this today? Y'all get anything out of it? All right, just lift your hands to the Father right there. Next week, I want to pray for all the males in the building on next week. I'm going to have them all come down in both services. Bring people with you because, listen, we're diminishing. I'm not talking color here. We're diminishing as a Christian community because nobody's doing this stuff the right way. You'd be hard-pressed. Virgin, you'd be hard-pressed to find that in church today. You'd be hard-pressed in church. Nobody's doing it the right way. You'd be hard-pressed to have people in a relationship that are grown right now that are at least trying not to sleep with each other. And I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about in church. And we say we love God, but we're diminishing. It's time for us to increase. It's time for us to increase. Who wants to do this the right way? Remember, there's a right and a wrong way to do everything. There is a blueprint. Let's stick to it, okay? Father, I pray for every person in this room today under the sound and authority of my voice. I know you love them, and I know they love you, Father. May this blueprint begin to be cemented on their hearts, Father. And may each one of them, male and female, rise up to the standard that you set forth in your word. And my prayer, Father, is that we'll get more examples of this in the body of Christ. Use the church to teach the world how to do things the right way. Father, increase us here and not diminish because of our obedience. Now, while you're in that attitude of prayer today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to pray with and for you today. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Remember, God loves you, and we love you too. If you want to confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and believe that God raised him from the grave, That is the greatest gift you can.